0: nostalgia nothing personal word of the day November 22nd 2021 it's Thanksgiving week nostalgia is the word of the day I felt nostalgia this weekend I want to tell you what I did got on a plane which wasn't I guess you know with the amount of flying I've been doing so much decreased since COVID I guess it did make me nostalgic to fly but that wasn't it flew to Austin Texas whatever reason i kept thinking about dumb and dumber because when people say austin and boston it always sounds alike to me and i went for the rolling stones concert the rolling stones had a show in austin on saturday night that was a reschedule from a 2020 show that got canceled and obviously the world has changed tremendously since 2020 But the change within the Rolling Stones has been that their longtime drummer, Charlie Watts, died in the interim, not of COVID, just of cancer maybe, just died. So the show starts with great anticipation. I had to get out of my work mode because I spent the entire first 20 minutes in complete anxiety watching the ingress and the egress to this facility in Austin be so horrific, one lane in, one lane out the lines for merchandise, the lines for drinks. It's a Formula One track where they build a stage and it is just so poorly done. It's impossible to get to. Austin's a great city, I'd never been there. Had a great, great time actually. Lots of live music, lots of dancing, lots of good food. So you get to this concert and it is a very homogenous group. And its I, I tried not to feel old I tried to feel in the moment. I tried to appreciate that I was going to see what were generally now three down from four octogenarians. Mick Jagger, 78. Then you've got, I don't know, 77, Keith Richard. 74, Ron Woods. I don't know if it's Ron Woods or Ron Wood. I think it's Ron Wood, Coca. Three of the four Rolling Stones. And I'm waiting for them to start. And I'm just wondering what's gonna happen. And I know exactly why I'm there. I'm there because I wanna feel the way I felt in the 80s. I'm there because I wanna feel the way I felt in the 90s, the 70s. I wanted to have a moment with Mick. I wanted to have my own goodbye. And that doesn't mean that he's gonna die. What it means is when I see people who are from my childhood whether it's Bruce Springsteen, whether it's Billy Joel, whether it's the Rolling Stones, whether it's Elton John, I always have in the back of my mind, is this it? I don't know if anyone else does that, but I do. And when you are able to have that moment, you can pretty much block out the other 50,000 people or 60 or 70, however many thousands of people were there. And you feel as though they are playing just for you. And you let the music wash over you, which I did. And I worked very hard once I, as I said, stopped working. The working part was looking at all the concessions and the merch and the F&B and the parking. And just the nightmare of that. Once I let that wash over me and I got to where I was, which I was in the right, I was stage left in the pit. And... I started waiting for them, and you know how concerts happen. They start late. This one started even later because someone had to go in and tell Mick, hey, take one more little vitamin because we can't go on for a half hour because 30,000 people still haven't parked. So we can't, we just can't start. I was thinking, who would be the person to go in and say that to Mick when they're on a schedule? They expect to play their two hours and 12 minutes and be ready to head back. Now, who wouldn't? He's 78 years old. So i'm waiting and then every time you think you know the song i need a lover by john cougar the intro to that is about two and a half minutes long and during the intro to that song you feel as though the words are going to start and you get ready to sing and then they do more instrumental introduction so you think it's starting and then it's not and then again there's a moment that you think the song is going to start and then it doesn't that's what it is when you're at a concert They play a song and then when the songs stop and you see nobody dressed in black from the crew on the stage anymore, you think that could be the moment. Then you hear the intro to another song thinking this could be their intro. So you're guessing and guessing, nothing. So you sort of build yourself up, let yourself down, listen to the next song they're playing while they're getting ready, tuning the guitars, I guess. Then there's this different music and you say, this is it. The lights then go out. And there's a collective cheer of anticipation that comes collectively from everybody. It's the same reaction. It's, ah, you scream with glee at the thought that you are moments away from Mick Jagger walking onto stage. And then there he is. Mick Jagger looks the same to me as he did 40 years ago, and I saw him within 15 feet. He's incredibly thin. His voice is incredibly good. His fo- He does not look or act like a 78-year-old. They went through their set list of hits. It was the same general set list they've done throughout this tour, the no-filter tour, and it didn't matter, although I am the one who had the set list open from the previous show, so I had, I'm that guy. I am, I admit it. The reason I'm that guy is I like to know what's next, and I like to know when to leave. To know when to leave, you have to know what the last song is. I knew that Can't Get No Satisfaction was gonna be last, but I knew therefore I didn't have to worry about what would be last so I could be in the moment, and in the moment I was. Mick Jagger, Keith Richards, Ronnie Wood, thank you. Thank you for bringing me back to a time where it was just music, where music was just beginning to become associated with memories, songs were just beginning to become associated with experiences, and those associations have lasted my entire life. And anytime I can get into the hot tub time machine and watch you perform, all I can do is say thank you. And at the end, when it was over, before it ended, right at the end of Satisfaction, I just looked at him and I said thank you. He didn't hear me, but that's exactly how I felt. That's the opposite of how I felt. It's amazing how you can have two different, totally polar feelings. Maybe it's not amazing at all. Maybe that's how it works with yin and yang. Maybe in order... To feel great, you have to feel like crap, A frame of reference. We've talked about that. You know my view of frames of reference that are critical. That's why I'm okay with the roller coaster. I want that feeling. So I should have known that I was having such an unbelievable weekend, feeling that wave of nostalgia. No sooner does my damn phone go off. I fight with myself, I don't know if you do this, about my text alerts. I both need to know because of nothing personal and because of this insatiable curiosity to know everything about everything that's going on so I can formulate the show, so I can formulate my thoughts, so I can formulate opinions. But what text alerts do, and there's four of them since we started this show only eight minutes ago, there's always some bit of news that your brain then either dismisses immediately, it acknowledges at the moment and then dismisses, It doesn't register at the moment, and then it registers later, or it registers at the moment and then lingers. Texts that come when there's a death of a celebrity. Some you pass by and say, I'm sorry, and then move on. Some it hits you hard. Some you don't realize when it's going to hit you. When I got the text alert about what happened in Waukesha, it hit me in a way because I am Milwaukee and I am Wisconsin, and I couldn't be more proud of that fact. And I've been to Waukesha a thousand times, both as a destination and as a drive-thru. And yesterday in Waukesha, they were having a Christmas parade in Wisconsin. And believe me, there's enough Goyim to have a million Christmas parades. Everyone's enjoying themselves as they should be: kids, adults who believe in Santa who believe in wanting to make a memory for a child, for an elderly person. And some bastard took a car and plowed through the parade. Immediately brought me back to France where another car plowed through a parade, killed all those people, multiple people, multiple people from Waukesha, Wisconsin. The single last place that you would feel, Rittenhouse, be damned, the single last place that you would feel that you are in jeopardy. And the reason why this news impacted me so badly is it now occurs to me, and this is something that Coca was able to articulate better than I could during the pregame show preparation, where he said there is no more location or moment of innocence where you can be in that moment and guarantee a memory or an experience unfettered either by an act or by the concern of an act little by little things are taken away flying was taken away a long time ago after 9-11 flying's never been the same the worry that people have Flying, nine eleven caused the worry people have been in skyscrapers and hearing planes low, not just for people from New York but everywhere. The ramifications of school shootings, the different metal detectors. Every time you go through a medical detector, a metal detector. Cut that. I want to make this a clean one. Coca, fourteen twenty eight sixty nine. Every time you go through a metal detector, whether it's in a stadium, an arena, an airport. A school is a reminder of why that's necessary. But until yesterday, when I'm walking down the street, there were certain things as a New Yorker, and certainly in Wisconsin, that I choose and I'm able to live without thinking about. Someone dropping a penny off a building, scaffolding collapsing, the randomness of of a accident where something gets sprawled into your front window and stabs you through the heart and you die all of the ways that emma thompson used to kill or try to kill harold crick and stranger than fiction most of those you can dismiss as unlikely and if it happens tip your cap you've lost the life lottery that you had been winning every day until that moment But now there's enough times that these cars have done this in crowds. There's enough shootings that I am running out of things. I'm running out. I'd like to say my thoughts and prayers are with the survivors and the families of the people who died and the injured in Waukesha. But I've told you that thoughts and prayers don't seem to be enough for me. I don't know what the answer is. I don't know how much more money we have to pour into security or mental health. I don't know what the line is as a public entity or a community or as a private company holding public events. I don't know what the line is to give people comfort while not ruining the experience At Boston last month when I did the marathon, you had to pass through metal detectors just to walk near the finish line. And I don't mean the runners because they had to also. I'm talking about the spectators and the non-spectators. If you were in the controlled zone in Boston because of the Boston bomber, the marathon bomber, there are metal detectors that are up and people who had to go through your bag and check your person for fear that something could happen again. And it got me thinking that we could do everything in our power to stop an attack, to stop a crazy person. And the attacks just keep coming. At what point does it happen where you can't prepare anymore? Does it have to go to zero attacks? Because the way my phone works, I don't think that's going to happen it made me so angry when i had been nostalgic all weekend that my weekend ended with fear it ended with panic it ended with concern it ended with sadness and it had started with this unbelievable warm bath of love and of appreciation and it ended in this cold shower of thumbtacks beating against your skin giving you death by a 1,000 cuts. I could transition death by 1,000 cuts into the new collective bargaining agreement negotiations that are going on, except we're not getting that. We're not getting what we got during COVID where you've got the owners leaking stuff every day, the commissioner saying something the players' union responding statements, dueling statements, we call them. Maybe baseball has finally paid attention and decided we're going to try things differently. On Thursday, thank you for listening to the Dan Shaughnessy sit-down on Friday. Hope you enjoyed that. On Thursday was day two of the MLB owners' meetings, and I told you Rob Manford would have to meet the media, and boy, did he ever. I couldn't resist tweeting this, but for those of you who don't have Twitter, and I have more people listening to this show than follow me on Twitter, so if you don't follow me on Twitter yet, please do. An off-season lockout, Rob Manford was asked about, and he said, an off-season lockout that moves the process forward is different than a labor dispute that costs games. That was his message. I feel like we could have workshopped that a little better. Working with him on the side, PR. It's not what fans really want to hear. They think, because I was in the room, and all of us in that room used to think the same thing. Fans get over things. Notwithstanding that it took steroids to get the fans to get over the 94-95 strike. That's so long ago. Let's dismiss that. In the last 20 years, with all of the ups and downs, with all of the labor extensions, the labor agreement extensions that have been made, all of the labor peace that we've had, it was our view that fans are good. Just don't miss games. And then COVID came, and there were 60 games in a season and not 162. And it turns out the fans are okay with that because come October, a champion was crowned. So the entire premise of the PR strategy that I would have chosen is always based on, hey, fans, don't worry any about this. Don't think about this. Your teams are out there trying to win. Your teams are out there trying to sign players. And if we are forced to do something that is far above your ability to understand because you're not a labor lawyer, trust us, we know what you care about and that is losing games. The problem is that's a bit tone deaf and that's what I would have said to Rob. What's tone deaf about it is reading the room and it's not assuming That your customers don't understand labor or the ins and outs of what collective bargaining means. As much as I explain to you all why there will be a lockout on December 1st, 1159, because that is a part of the process that happens in all sorts of industries where there is management and union. that there is a legal reason for owners to quote-unquote lockout, stop the employees from coming to work? Why there is a strategic reason to do a lockout before the employees have a chance to strike? Players can't strike during December. What are they striking? You strike once spring training starts and you don't show up. There's nothing to show up for during the offseason. The advantage that management has in initiating a lockout is that it is a way to get to an agreement faster because consider it like a stage. In the absence of ability to get to agreement by the deadline, you start a lockout when you know you've got another deadline after which that lockout actually impacts the customers. When that lockout actually impacts the employees a december lockout impacts nobody nor does a january lockout nor does a february lockout once opening day on march 31st is missed that's when you have a problem so when you've got the ability to explain to fans that you've got time then just explain it that easily. In very simple, non-legal terms, after an owner's meeting, if you are Rob Manford, you say, we spend every day, including holidays, trying to come to a fair agreement with the players. The owners have instructed me that the labor piece that this sport has enjoyed for decades ought to continue but for the reasonable actions of everybody on both sides of the table. Please don't focus on any intermediate leaks or announcements because they're all done to try to curry favor with you, but I know better. I'm the commissioner and I know that the only thing that curries favor with you is having the 2022 season happen and your team to have a chance to win and for you to have the hope that every Major League Baseball fan deserves when you are tied for first and tied for last the moment before opening game. Leave it at that. Rob went through many other subjects as well. Talked about the A's, talked about the Rays. He didn't talk about the Anaheim Angels or the Houston Astros. He didn't talk about the signing of Verlander for $50 million. He didn't sign, talk about the signing of Thor, Noah Syndergaard, for $21 million. I wish he had. Because if I were Rob, I would have said, hey, look at this healthy market. That's what we always would do as presidents when somebody would make a stupid signing, but we needed to let the union know that, hey, we're spending money We'd always say, hey, look, look at these signings. How great are they? How happy are you that these players got overpaid? And the union would always respond the same way. Stop talking to us about the outlier owner idiots. Talk to us about the mid-level free agents who get squozing out of the game every year. Talk to us about the teams who may sign a player or two, but the other 23 players on the team are all stuck in a, Rebuilding situation where the team isn't even trying to win. I was thinking about Noah Syndergaard. And I wanted to give you a wait to see about him. Noah Syndergaard was in the news this weekend. You know I've changed my view on Twitter. On players' involvement in Twitter. I want players to... I was going to say expose themselves. That's probably a, a uh, an expression I should stop using, right? Okay. So I'll stop. And 6-9. Noah Syndergaard uses Twitter to gain attention for himself, uses Twitter to banter back and forth with various fans, with various sports writers, talks about things not just baseball related, and I love it. I have come so far from hating what Logan Morrison did when he first was on Twitter, because I was president of a team, to now being on the media side, encouraging the back and forth, recognizing that tweeting is not causing you to hit 220. Sucking is causing you to hit 220. Tweeting is not causing you to have a 5 ERA and have Tommy John. Sucking is causing you to have a 5 ERA. And throwing 98 causes you to have Tommy John. So I'm all in on Noah promoting himself, Thor, long hair, man bun. I'm in. Do whatever you want. Parlay that into 21 mil. Good for you. I was down on the angels for making that sign. I thought it was desperate. I thought it was wrong. I do not believe they will get $21 million worth of production. But wait to see. Last year's wait to see hit every one of these. When I predicted a player would not get 20 starts, whether it was Domingo Herman or Corey Kluber or Carlos Carrasco, it was free wait to sees. Where I say something's gonna happen, I'll revisit it. Whether it happens or whether it doesn't, you know I do that. My wait to see today, I'm going optimistic on Noah. But it's sort of a fix because the Angels rotation is so bad. They're so desperate for anyone That Noah Syndergaard, effective or not, will start more than 20 games in 2022. Book it. You wait to see. When we come back, we're going to review a show that I watched this weekend, and we are going to give you an update of the China situation with the tennis player, the subject that we discussed Thursday, where we were a little nervous that our feed was going to get cut. But if you were nervous then, Coca, just you wait.
1: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
0: Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you. Hope you had a good weekend. Please stick with us. Tell your friends about Nothing Personal. Rate, review, follow, subscribe. Get on the YouTube page. We got to get more subscribers. Not sure how to do it. Although I know you listen to shows, but I I can be seen too. I wear a blazer almost every day, like a nice blazer. I found a company called Twillery. Anyone, Anyone heard of Twillery? It was like a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad. Hey, Eli, at Twillery, it worked. So I watched the entire second season of The Morning Show. I am recently into The Morning Show. I started with the first season maybe 10 days ago or two weeks ago or whenever it was, and then I got caught up to the second season, all in a binge, and then I had to wait every Friday on Apple TV Plus for the new episode to come out, and the last episode of season two came out Friday. Here's my review. I like season one way better, but season two, it's a morning show is about show with Billy Crudup, who won an Emmy. It's a show about a morning news show. In theory, this is my guess, and I don't know if this has been reported anywhere. My guess is this is about the Today Show and Matt Lauer, and this is about what goes on behind the scenes and the impact it can have on anchors, on people behind the screen. It involves race, it involves misogyny, it involves assault, it involves moments, a lot of moments between characters. It is very well-written. Very well directed. Reese Witherspoon, Jennifer Aniston, Billy Crudup, Holland Taylor is in season two. If you don't know who, you should. Please, 20 episodes of Morning Show, you won't be sorry. The object of Morning Show is to show you what free media looks like. But to explain... That having freedom of the press is a level of responsibility that is significant. That's why there is so much consternation about Fox, about CNN, about some of these other crazy right-wing or left-wing networks. I was talking to someone the other day, and Coke and I have had this conversation where crazy people on the right and crazy people on the left are actually closer to each other than they think. Because when you're that far from rationality, generally you're in the same place. You're far from rationality. But the responsibility of freedom of the press, the point of freedom of the press, is as a society, we count on our media to tell us what's happening. You don't have to pay attention to it. You can completely ignore it and live your life.
1: Excuse me.
0: I think it's dustier. Do we have anything to dust our area, Coca? Excuse me. Okay. When your media is free, and I don't mean not behind a paywall, the assumption that you have is all you have to do is be smart enough to understand the slant, the bias and then you can make your own decision about what's happening and how to interpret it. Sort of like on Nothing Personal, where I'm gonna give you the, the facts, I'm gonna educate you on an issue, and then let you decide. There are instances where you're gonna know where I stand as the distributor of facts, but there's also gonna be instances where you don't know where I stand, where you guess, but you may have it wrong. But the bottom line is that it's free. And I don't mean no money. In China, there's nothing free. The media is not free. It is all government controlled. Now, don't at me and say, oh, it can't be. Look at all these networks here, QAnon or NCRISW or KRP, Cincinnati, all these networks, those aren't free. That's government, you've got Trump or Biden or whoever, I don't care, controlling what's said, where and when. Horse hockey. Our press in the United States is free. You can choose to watch whatever channel you want. You have full access without firewall. Does the government get in there to try to give its point of view, to get its point of view out? Of course it does but we're also educated enough because we've got two sides to a story where we can decide what's real, what's not. How do you think conspiracy theory was born? It's born from freedom where people think it's not. There's no conspiracies in China. Not one thing the Chinese government says on TV in print, not one thing is true or accurate. It is all spun to control the Chinese people and the, all of us around the world so that for whatever reason, we will not think that they run a communist regime of oppression and misogyny and homophobia where people are indiscriminately killed for having any inkling or thought that is different than what the government requires you to think or do. We talked about Peng Shui last Thursday, the tennis player who disappeared having accused a high governmental official of sexual assault and then poof, she was gone. The world said, find her now. The Chinese government said, we don't even know what you're talking about. But then little things get leaked out. A picture here, a post there. I'm good. I'm just with family. I'm staying under the radar. Wasn't good enough for the WTA. They said no. We need proof of freedom. We're not even sure the proof of life that you gave us is proof of life. Even if you held up a newspaper with the today's date, you could Photoshop it. So then China trying to protect itself, and the Beijing Olympics said, we got to do something more. So China had Peng Shui do a video call with the head of the International Olympic Committee. On that call this weekend, she said, thank you for your concern, I'm good. I went to a tennis clinic, I'm in a photo, don't you worry. And the IOC said, hip hip hooray, we're GTG, we're good to go. Why did they say that? Because the Olympics are coming up in Beijing, And the IOC has way too much at stake to cancel the Olympics. They've lost too much money because of COVID. They need the advertising revenue. How would you feel if the pants you wear or the shoes you wear are made in China by people who are slaves? Slave workers, slave labor. Not free to leave. Not free to get paid a correct wage you still wear the jeans right you still wear the sneakers don't you you somehow find a way to acknowledge that you don't think it's right but you're not willing to go do what is necessary to manifest your feeling that disgusting feeling that you are benefiting from somebody else's misfortune Because while you're willing to inconvenience yourself a bit, there's a limit. That's just what the IOC does. That's just what the Women's Tennis Association does. That's just what your company does. That's just what my company does. That's what we all do. It's just a question of where you are in the spectrum of ignorance. Do you really not know? Do you know and really not care? Do you know and care a little? Do you know and care a lot? Once you know where you are in that spectrum, then there is a concomitant action that you take so people know where you are in the spectrum. The problem happens when people want to say they're on one side of the spectrum, but they act like they're on the other. The people who cry foul. We must hear from Peng Shui and be proven that she's free. We must ignore the video call she did with the IOC because the IOC has a huge financial incentive for this issue to disappear. We must hear from LeBron James because of what Enos Cantor said that LeBron James doesn't care as much as he claims he does. What do you think? Do you wear Nikes? you going to watch the Olympics in Beijing? Do you need Peng Shui to be alive? Do you need her to be free? Peng Shui is a tennis player, one of thousands, if not millions of people who just don't get paid to play a sport, who are in the exact same situation, who disappear every day in China and no one gives a crap. It's no impact. A random Tuesday in a random village with a random member of the media trying to release some bit of information on a state-owned site that can give some indication of the horrors that exist in China gets quashed and there's one person in the State Department and seven other people and maybe one day it becomes a movie. But our life goes on. I kept thinking about that this weekend while reading the IOC's comments, the president of the IOC and what he said, how thankful he was. Kept thinking about the deals we make with ourselves. I think you should think about that. What deals do you make with yourself every day as it relates to sports or business or family? And do those deals come from a place of selfishness, selflessness, ignorance, passion, love, understanding, misunderstanding? Take one day just for fun. Take one day and make a list. Remember one of, one of the mailbags a long time ago, Coca? I talked about all the different decisions we make during the course of the day that if you spent a day writing down every decision you made, that you make hundreds of decisions, what to eat for a meal, which direction to drive when you're going to a certain place, what shirt to wear, which way you're going to walk a certain way, which phone calls you're going to take, what you're going to text, who you're going to text, how you're going to text, all these hundreds of decisions. Take a day and write down, (laughs) no one's gonna do it, Coca. I'm gonna do it. Nothing personal, pick of the day. That was a busy weekend, Coca. We went three and three, so we're 158 and 139. We guaranteed, we we did really well with the MLB awards. I think the only one we missed was Dusty Baker, winning manager of the year. In the American League. Otherwise, we got everyone right. Shohei Ohtani, congratulations on winning the MVP. Vladimir Guerrero got all the second-place votes, I think, but one, he is going to get an MVP if he has another season like that. My only issue with Shohei Ohtani winning the MVP, and which is why I was voting for Guerrero in my mind, not just my love of Toronto and my disdain for Anaheim, and I don't mean the city or Disneyland, what happens next year when Otani hits 35 home runs and pitches 140 innings? Isn't Doesn't he become the MVP every year? If he does what he did this year, now you could argue if any player does what they do the year after their MVP, they're going to be MVP again. Okay. Harper won in a close match in the National League over Soto. Congratulations to the Philadelphia Phillies. And I tweeted about this, and I want to spend a minute on it. Because when Giancarlo Stanton won MVP in 2017, I was so happy. It made me feel so good to, yes, we had an MVP player. I can't wear that on my finger. I can't look at a trophy. I can just say, yeah, we have Gold Glovers. We have Silver Sluggers. We have a Cy Young. No, we didn't have a Cy Young. But we have MVP. If you're the Philadelphia Phillies, do you... Go to bed at night, get under the covers, and say, the contract we gave Bryce Harper is now worth it because he's won an MVP. He became one of only a few players to win an MVP in both leagues. For two teams, I should say, not both leagues, because he won for the Nationals and for the Phillies. So MVP for two teams, that's got to be Bonds. I think he won in Pittsburgh and San Francisco. I'm going to assume Frank Robinson won. He may have won one in each league. So I think the list is not very long of what Harper's done. Very impressive. He had a great year. But guess what it added up to? It added up to another october list baseball in Philadelphia. There's not one owner who would prefer an MVP or Cy Young to October baseball. Not one. As good as it feels, if John Middleton, the owner of the Phillies, now believes that his contract with Bryce Harper has been worth it because Harper won MVP? No. He's kidding himself. And deep down in a place that he thinks about, he knows he's not happy with it. They've never made the playoffs with Bryce Harper. Not one time. Thursday night. Wow. I thought Atlanta getting seven would be good. People are now saying the New England Patriots could make it back to the Super Bowl. The irony of Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl with the Buccaneers the year after he left the Patriots, and all of us thinking that that means that it was always Brady, not Belichick, so the debate's over. Now, all of a sudden, the Patriots are leading the AFC East, and there's talk of Mac Jones leading them to a Super Bowl. Bill Belichick will do anything from deflate to spy to getting high to get back to a Super Bowl without Brady. And, oi, if it could be against Tampa, it would be a dream come true. I didn't take that into account. New England crushed Atlanta. We lost. On Friday, I didn't take into account that the Lakers just outright stink. LeBron James is fighting with Isaiah Stewart last night. He's not going to get suspended. You're going to read a lot about that big fight he had. They just got tangled up underneath while getting under the rebound after a free throw. Lakers have problems because LeBron James is a second GOAT player, an unbelievably successful player, but he's not a GM. When are the Lakers going to learn that LeBron is not a GM? But he got his friends together, and the Lakers can't win. They got crushed by the Celtics. Crushed. 130, 108. Then on Saturday, I spent the time to watch Wisconsin play. I don't want to talk about it. They won by seven, they were supposed to win by nine and a half. I don't like that I used Wisconsin as a pick of the day because I don't like being upset when my team wins, but by not enough. So I think I've decided whenever I do one of my teams, I just do it on the money line. But that was a loss. But then yesterday we came back to even the weekend. How about all the people? Why do you do this as fans? I'm just curious. Stops playing great. Why is our first reaction to say he's finished? What a bad contract Patrick Mahomes signed. He's done. The Chiefs stink. Their defense stinks. Their offense stinks. He just happened to have his deal. Well, meanwhile, the Chiefs have won four in a row. They were playing the Dallas Cowboys. They crushed them. Why they were giving two and a half, I wasn't sure. They won by 10. I just got an internet is unstable, Coke. I don't know if you got that, too. Chiefs, two and a half over Cowboys was a win. We are 158 and 139. We get to watch the Giants, my favorite NFL team growing up. Some of my top, two of my top 10 all-time memories are the Giants beating the Broncos and the Giants beating the Bills in the Super Bowl. Their recent Super Bowls with Eli, not as much, but the Super Bowl, Super Bowl 25. Still love the Giants, but not like I used to. You know I can't be a fan the way I used to. And they're playing the Buccaneers. The only thing I see happening with this game is points and lots of points. The over-under is 50. Tom Brady was so frustrated last week. Did you see him slamming his helmet? I am confident that Tom Brady is going to get 35 to 38 points tonight. Brady and the Buccaneers, Giants and Jones, over 50 is the pick of the day today. So as this show comes to an end and a Monday comes to an end, I hope that you take away one thing. All of the emotion we have, all of the politics that are involved, all the back and forth that goes on that gives us content for a show every day. You heard it more today. You hear it every day for 45 minutes. Everyone looks in the mirror and says, it's just business.